Hey, Josh Felber here with Making Bank. Today's episode, amazing. You're going to grab tons of amazing content. If you ever thought about your mindset, what helps you get to where you are to be successful? Today's guest used to dive in dumpsters trying to find items to sell just to make money, just to make ends meet on a daily basis to now worth over $100 million um, when he sold his company. He's in the philanthropy, helping in the housing market, and just an amazing individual overall. So I want you guys to check out today's episode with Ross Hamilton. It's going to bring you so much value and so much uh, great insights. And guys, I really appreciate your time and attention today watching Making Bank, helping other people, helping you. Uh, Make sure when you get time to love, like, and share this video, as well as share it with somebody that you know that needs to watch this, uh, that you can help improve their life. Or maybe there's a snippet in here that's just for them that they got to see. And when you have time, sit here and comment below this video. And again, I thank you for your time and attention today. And just really appreciate you watching Making Bank. I wasn't the smartest individual, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to go where the money is. And I got into real estate investing. Don't let I don't have money be an excuse at all when it comes to investing in real estate. There's a lot of people with a lot of money that would love to get their money in real estate. And you can uh, make a lot of money by making that connection happen. The entrepreneurial spirit, it's a spirit, right? It's kind of a possessive spirit as well. People always talk about it as as a positive thing. But for someone who's been an entrepreneur since I, I can remember, it can take it can take over your morning and evening routines. Like getting your morning right and your evening right, the start and end of your day, you know, two 10 minute blocks. That stuff adds up to to get you anywhere you want to be. Next up, representing Primal Life Organics, Josh Making Bank Felber. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Today's guest at 20 years old, Ross made his first million through real estate investments. He is a highly successful entrepreneur, investor, and marketer, and best known for building, scaling, and selling connected investors to First American Title. In his early years, Ross's passion for BMX led him to train under the legendary Dave Mira until an injury ended his BMX career. He then turned his focus on real estate, making his first million in his early 20s. Now Ross used the profits from his flips to see the development of Connected Investors, a social network and investment property marketplace for real estate investors and private lenders. So I'm excited to welcome Ross Hamilton to Making Bank. Josh, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Super excited. It's, uh, I, I remember when I was like 14 years old and setting my goals and I was like, man, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25 because there wasn't many people back then because I'm 50 now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, you know, hit that goal and everything. So it's super cool to see what you've done and uh, excited to learn about your journey and uh, kind of what got you there. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of great stuff to share and um, 
I'm really excited that you kind of started out this this podcast talking about the habits that make people successful and this and the mind the mind control you have to have over your over yourself mm. push yourself through whatever whatever you're feeding yourself that, that that's stopping you so a lot of mindset stuff and a lot of tactical business things that I've been able to to implement over the years to be successful in multiple businesses in multiple verticals no that's awesome what uh, I guess when did you get started as an entrepreneur were you yeah. like super focused and you were focused on BMX and that didn't happen until later. Kind of give us a little bit about uh, what, what got you all started. Yeah. So um, essentially I got really serious about being an entrepreneur when that was kind of a, not a good term. It was almost for the person who, who couldn't make it to college and, uh, yeah. and climb the ladder. And that was me. I was, you know, a C student at best. I had a hard time focusing in school and I just kind of had to to figure out another way. I, would, I was dyslectic growing up. And they say that a lot of entrepreneurs are dyslectic because you have to figure, you have to solve problems yeah. uh, when you see things backwards. Anyway, there's a bunch of studies on it, but I just, I knew that if I wanted to reach the level of success that I felt like I deserved in my heart, that I, I couldn't go the traditional route. So I became an entrepreneur at a very young age. That's awesome. What was kind of that first uh, business venture for you? First business venture. I mean, it's kind of in my, been in my DNA. I used to uh, bring bagels into school and sell them to the kids nice. as like a young child, right? Yeah. I would take people's orders. I would uh, walk to the deli in the morning. I lived in New York, and then I would I would uh, sell bagels in school until the cafeteria said, "Hey, you can't you can't be bringing in food, kid," and selling it to the. Uh... <laughs> so anyway, that's. That's taken it way back, but um, in all seriousness, you know, I started riding BMX. BMX is one of those sports where you have to be okay with risk. Mm. Every single thing you do, no matter how many times you've done it, is risky. So I got, I got the hang of dealing with risk, and I think that really helped my entrepreneurial uh, journey. I had a BMX clothing company. I traveled around the country in a Volkswagen van, sponsoring kids, uh, kids, people my age or older. And I got to ride with, like you said, Dave Mira, who is, he had video games out, big X games guy. Uh, he was my first unofficial mentor. So that's when I learned how important it was to surround yourself with people that were just on another level. That's where I learned how to, you know, stop making excuses, figure things out, take risks, take some hits and get up and um, get up and keep on going. Was in extreme sports, you know, sports in general at a, you know, at a young age. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's super cool. I mean, uh, I, actually, we have um, three kids now, but we have two boys that are twins, and they uh, they race um, go-karts competitively and Formula 4 and things like that. So it's uh, it, always the sports aspect, is I think, is super cool, and I think it builds a lot of, um, like you said, mindset stuff and discipline and hard work into what, what you're doing. Yeah, you're, you know, you're on your own. You're your own coach. So you learn how to become your own coach at a very young age through extreme sports. And uh, with if you have some of the other right character traits, you can really do a lot with that if extreme sports don't work out, which they didn't really work out for me. Um, I hurt myself really bad at a kind of a pivotal age and had to figure out what I wanted to do with life now that I wasn't going to be a BMX superstar. And I went to this place called Barnes and Noble. I think they still have a few of those out there. <laughs> and just started reading books on how to make money. Really, like a lot of your viewers are probably doing, just listening to podcasts. How can I make bank? How can I quickly make money? 
And I just read a stat that most millionaires did it through real estate. And that was all I really needed to jump into real estate. I just wanted to play the odds, right? I wasn't the smartest individual, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to go where the money is. And I got into real estate investing, bought my first investment property at 19, almost 18, right at 19 years old. And I uh, just, just didn't look back, just kind of went all in. You know, every house I flipped was like a jump I would hit back in the day. There was risk, there was reward. The people that you invested with and around were your competitors, but your friends. So it was a really fun, um, it was a really fun transition to go from BMX into, um, into real estate investing. I guess, what was the hardest part as you dove into real estate? Because I mean, obviously buying that first house, you know, starting to flip it. Um, what were some of those initial challenges that you ran into? You know, that's a great question. And the initial challenges were essentially everything, Josh. Like I'll, I'll go through them. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any money at all. I worked at a warehouse in between uh, riding BMX where I would recycle scrap pad. So I was literally a dumpster diver. I would drive from dumpster to dumpster and pick up scrap pad. But I just had a real desire to be really successful. And that was important. So, I mean, in real estate investing, it's like you only have two questions. Like, where do I get the money? Or where do I get the deals? Right. And the good thing is you can actually solve that with one answer. Because if you have a good deal, money is never an issue. If you have a bad deal, it's hard to get money. Mm. But if you can find a property right now at a 50% discount, you're not going to have a hard time getting someone to put up that money. So what I liked about real estate is, is it was essentially easy, buy low, sell high, right? Sure, there's a lot that goes into that, but I just wanted to get really, really good at finding and creating uh, properties that could be bought at below market value. Because if you can buy below market, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. People are always like, hey, sure. Ross, it's now a good time to invest in real estate. If you're buying right, absolutely. If you're paying retail, if you're banking on appreciation, no. Uh, but when you can buy something at a discount, yeah, now now's a great time. And tomorrow's a great time. And yesterday was a great time. I guess then what was that kind of that step that kind of took you from investing in real estate to starting you know, connected investors? Yeah, well, after I... After I had been in real estate for a little while, um, I really focused on building my network, right? The local people, I started local, you know, going to events, like for anyone who's listening to a podcast, like find an event and go to it, show up, something good might happen, right? I liked getting elbow to elbow with people and, and yep. asking questions. And just like when I rode BMX, I had a group of people that I had a community around me of people that would celebrate with me, would compete with me, would, you know, joust with me a little bit. So it just, it, it created all of the elements I needed for accountability and to keep, and to keep going. So, you know, in real estate, I realized the more people you were connected with, the more money you could make. So with that premise and a $10 domain purchase of the name Connected Investors, I thought I'd start connecting investors. Back then, there was only MySpace. I wasn't smart enough to be one of the early users of Facebook. So <laughs> there was no link. LinkedIn was nothing really then. They no. might have been around. I don't remember. So I just started a social network of real estate investors as a BMX real estate investor with no tech experience. I bootstrapped it completely. I was using the money from my flips to invest in the tech. 
And that was that. That's what's great about real estate because you can use the money to do whatever else you wanted to. Originally, sure. I got into it because I wanted to be able to just travel around the country, still ride my bike a little bit. I wanted to have freedom of location. I didn't want a roof over my head. You don't need a degree to make a million dollars in real estate. You just need some hustle. So, but what I chose to do was to uh, was to move that money into technology and um, and build out connected investors. Now, I I didn't have a lot of money when I started, or I had I had no money, um, so I had to get good at creative financing and creative deal structuring. And that's how I was able to start getting my feet wet in deals, a lot of partnering. And I'm saying all this because if you don't have money, that's, that's, it doesn't matter. Like even once you do have money, you shouldn't really use your own unless you have a, st- a specific reason that you're doing so. So there's always a way to be creative in real estate and to get good at being creative and deal making is definitely an important part of, of the equation. So don't let I don't have money be an excuse at all when it comes to investing in real estate. There's a lot of people with a lot of money that would love to get their money in real estate, and you can uh, make a lot of money by making that connection happen. So yeah, no, I wanted to I wanted to connect with more people, so I started Connected Investors. That's awesome. So you're creating it out of more of like a need for yourself, like hey, you know, I want to have that network of people and be able to if I need to raise more money or do whatever, you know, for my own investment stuff. When did you realize you kind of were on to something, you know, as it was growing? I realized I was onto something once social media just kind of took over. Because for a while, Josh, it was so hard to convince people to use a social network. (laughs) You know, if someone was over the age of 40 back then, they were like, oh, no way. So I had a lot of younger kids, not kids, but 20s, early 30s that were interested in real estate that adapted to it a little bit, a little bit quicker. And I actually wrote a book, Real Estate Investing in Your 20s, which is a really cool book, by the way. It's on Amazon and all that stuff. I'll give it to your viewers if they want it. Cool. But what I did is when I first started investing in real estate, this is like the ultimate mind hack. This, so this takes like every trick you've ever heard about from visualization to journaling and just, I didn't even realize what I was doing. But I started, but when I was broke, I started writing a book on how to become a, million, a millionaire in real estate in your 20s. So every day, every week, I would write down, it's kind of written in diary format. I've never seen another real estate investing or even real success book done like that because the person has to do it. They have to actually be successful. They have to publish the book. So even if someone, anyway, so I got this book together and it was just a huge mental exercise in knowing where I wanted to go, just taking account of what I was doing, the visualization. And I just truly believed that I was going to be successful in real estate. So I started writing it down. So a great hack for anyone on the line is to take what you think is holding you back or who you are, right? And because I was, I was in my 20s, so I looked at my age as, you know, as a limiting factor. It actually became the thing that helped me the most. And just write how I went from being a school teacher, making 50000 a year to having 50000 a month in passive income through blah, blah. Like start writing that book. Right, like, write that like you'll it'll be, it'll help you so much. Anyway, to get back to what you said, social media started taking over, and people just started adapting our platform. They're like, oh, this makes sense. Real estate is a very connected industry, so yeah, let's let's do this. And more people started signing up and signing up, and then once I once I had like thirty forty thousand a month in passive income from the platform, you know, my real estate it, it got really really exciting. 
And I just went as hard as I could for as long as I could building out connected investors to help other investors connect with deals and with okay. money. So we, we were just the right place at the right time getting that out there. What, um, obviously growing it, um, and, you know, and selling it for, you know, uh, almost a hundred million. What, um, what were some of the kind of the challenges that you found growing it, never being in the tech space, obviously? Yeah. So if you start a tech company, here's a mistake I didn't make. I didn't give away any equity in the company. Mm, that's um, good, yeah. A lot of people, they'll, they'll, they'll create these partners and give away equity early on and you're just doomed. Like you're painting yourself in a corner. It's better than nothing, but for that to work, the person that you're picking has to be the right person all the way. The person that gets you from A to B is usually not the person that gets you from B to C. Yeah. But if they're a partner and you can't get rid of them, it's really challenging. So there's creative ways to give people equity and to be able to have them step aside that, that you can look into. But I've seen a lot of companies, even my competitors, early on there was realestateinvestor.com, there was a few other ones, and they, they were ahead of me but they imploded because of their partnerships. So um, I didn't make that mistake, but I, I, I just made so many other mistakes, right? Like it's the challenges that I had in the beginning were, was building the team because I was doing, I was doing everything. I was customer support. I was sales. I was marketing. And I got really good at, at sales and marketing, right? People get good at where the reward is. Yep. So one of my other you know, skill sets people often interview me on is marketing, presentations, product positioning. So that became kind of my superpower. But what happens is when you grow and scale a company, the greatest strength of a founder can become a weakness of an organization because I didn't do a good job building a team of people around me that did the skill sets that I was really good at. And later on in my business, I kind of painted myself in a corner because I was the only one that could do these things. And it takes a long time to train people. I didn't take people with me. Other departments didn't have that problem because they had a good support system. So um, your superpower can become a weakness if you don't if you don't have a second someone to hand it off to sooner rather than later. So that was a lot, but it's it's been a fun journey for sure. Yeah, no, that's huge. I'm that you know that that you brought that up too is you know that how that superpower be, can become a weakness because as you know as an as an owner and the business head. You're like, all right, cool. This is where I'm great at. You know, this is where I shine. This is why they're buying my, or, you know, growing the business with me, or this person's buying my business and stuff. But you want to basically set yourself up. So there's other people that handle that um, within the business. So if you do sell down the road, you can exit at some point, not have to be part of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And when I, when I was selling that, that came up, um, we handled it very, very well. In, in the deal structure, but it was, it, they were very concerned with, well, what happens once you leave if, if you're doing all of these things? So, so yes, it's the idea of a business is either to sell it or to completely step out. Like right. you have to do one of the two. So you're always trying to replace yourself. And that's really challenging to do if um, you're, not, you're not proactively trying to do that to peel away your responsibilities to where, hey, now I only have to work a few hours a day. Now I work a few hours a week. Now I touch in monthly. Now I can hand this thing this thing off. So you should always be trying to replace yourself. It's kind of like the um, someone who's good at, at plumbing, starting a plumbing company, 
right? It doesn't mean they're good at all the other stuff that goes along with having a company. So your team is just is just so important. I'm I'm so fortunate that I was the founder and you know face of the company. So I get to say yes. People are like Ross, how do you do all this? But really, it was the team of people that I had around me that that made it possible because I really suck at just about everything else um, in the business other than just a few things. Like I have a hard time staying focused, just like in school, just to read a contract. No, that that's great. What was the hardest transition you, I guess, after you sold the business then? The hardest part of the transition in selling the company was I had to help with the integration. Mm. They're a Fortune 100 company, um, which is essentially like the government. They've been around since 1890. So there were culture clashes, you know, how we did things, how they did things. I had never been in a corporate setting. For anyone who is in a corporate setting, wow, I never, never really understood the challenges that uh, someone with a creative mind would have uh, within within that box. But it's, yeah, it was really challenging transitioning out and solving some of those issues. But I also learned a ton. That's a huge thing because I kind of removed the word problem and and changed it with the word project. So I don't have a problem, I have a project. And it just, that mental shift in how I viewed problems uh, really helped. Because don't get me wrong, I mean, Josh, there was there was times when I was growing the company it wasn't all straight up. I mean, we almost right. lost everything a few times, uh, but we kept pivoting and just figuring things out. So, you know, there's going to be challenges. Those challenges, you got to have fun with them um, because it's really what makes you who you are. Now I look back on it and I love that I made it through that and uh, and had the opportunity to put myself in those situations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, you know, like you said, it's it's that, that whole process, that journey um, that you go through, you know, with that. Um, obviously at the time when you're almost losing the business or whatever it might be. And, you know, it's, it's not fun, but it's, you know, it's, you know, helping define. And like you said, make those right pivots to, you know, where you need to go with the business. And then, you know, during those times, you might network of people, you know, that's, it's when you own a business, it's a bit lonely. You can't really talk to everyone about it. You know, I made the mistake of keeping a lot of stuff from my spouse you know, because I didn't want to stress stress her out, and then that's just a lot of stuff that you're you're holding on to. So that's why that that network of people is really important. And you know, some of the people that were my competitors and were my friends is what would help me stay alive. And we've been helping each other for years and years. So, you know, your network super important. Daily habits, everything, your state of mind. You just have to be a mentally tough person uh, to to do anything in business. You know, but to me, after working in a corporate setting for just a little while, I think it's the riskiest thing you can do is just rely on someone else. Like, even if you're not going to go, you know, crazy like I did, like you got to have some sort of a side hustle, some sort of a passion, something on the side that can generate you some extra income in some way, shape or form. It's not if something's going to happen, it's just when. So I think it's really risky to to count on business models, ways of living that worked really well, maybe in the fifties and sixties, right? <laughs> the things are just moving so fast nowadays. You got to have a little something on the side. And for anyone who's still listening, I mean, the fact that you're educating yourself, you're listening to this. I mean, you are, you are in the 1% of people that are, that are actively doing stuff. So that's, that's why I love jumping on these calls because the people that listen to them are doing it. They're, they're doing the tough stuff. Yeah, for sure. 
And, and so if you had that same opportunity, would you sell, you know, to not sell your company, would you go back and not sell it or would you still sell the company and, and move forward? No, I sold it the exact right time. Okay. I sold it. The, I sold it the top, top of the market for a very good price. So, and it's, it's allowed me now to the entrepreneurial spirit. It's a spirit, right? It's kind of a possessive spirit as well. People always talk about it as, as a positive thing, but for someone who's been an entrepreneur since I, I can remember, it can take it can take over your sure you know everything. So it was it's been really nice to uh, to step out of that for a little while and you know just make some different plays in life. I have a huge charity that I'm running right now, uh, nonprofits and all that type of stuff, and it's just so nice to be able to use my my talents to help. Uh, help people in all sorts of different ways. I have a big charity right now for affordable housing um, because I, I truly believe you have the haves and the have-nots. The haves have real estate and people that just missed the jump, man, they didn't get any of that equity. Now interest rates are really high. Um, they have to be really creative to get in. And that's for someone who has means to do things. But then you have right. people that are just down on their luck outside of other aspects and that's where I want to come in and uh, help in really creative ways, not handouts, but just giving a hand to help help pull people up into uh, home ownership. Because on every webinar or presentation you hear in real estate, people are like, real estate's the number one way to become a millionaire. That's what got right. me into it. But it's also the number one way out of poverty in America, right? So there's, it's on both sides. It's a wealth creator. And to take that away from so many people, which is kind of happening with Wall Street coming into real estate, I'm looking forward to combating that at, at some level uh, locally and, and nationally. Awesome. Guys, I hope you guys are really listening to what Ross is talking about today. Make sure you guys are paying attention. Rewind, listen, watch this again, and, and take notes with what he's saying. Um, there's a lot of different insights in his, his story here, what he's talking about from a mindset to you know, having that right focus on you know, with, with growing your business as well. So take those notes, listen to it, watch it again. We had a few minutes left, Russ. What's something you're like, oh man, I really wanted to talk about this today, but we didn't get to bring it up yet that you want to kind of tie in, tie into what we're talking about? Um, you know, Josh, I just think that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, they'll jump on these calls and they're looking for, for tactical things and they're looking like really far away to solve a problem when usually they just need to look in a mirror and just kind of examine their habits, where they're spending their time, your morning and evening routines. Like getting your morning right and your evening right, the start and end of your day, you know, two 10-minute blocks. That stuff adds up to, to get you anywhere you want to be. You know, I have my morning habits, my evening habits, and I do not deviate from those. And if I ever find myself off of that schedule, I know there's something wrong. I need to do a hard reset to kind of get back on track. I mean, you have people that depend on you. You have a family, you have a future, like you can't afford to make those small mistakes. So that's why like, the morning routines are important and, and stuff like that. And I got a great, you know, Josh, I can give away my, my book, The Real Estate Investing in Your 20s. Sure. And my whole yeah, morning routine, if you're if your group's interested, um, you can kind of, if you want to be successful, you should do what successful people do. And that's, that's why right. I rode with Dave Mira when I was young. 
And yeah, that's why sure. I had a billionaire uh, mentor when I got into real estate. Whole nother podcast there. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to imitate them and do what they did. And they had really good habits. They were positive. They looked at problems as constructive and, and with a, with curiosity. And I tried to adapt as many of those habits as I could into into my life, into my C student life, uh, to be living a you know ridiculous lifestyle now. No, that that's fantastic. What what what's like one or two of the big habits that you kind of took away from all that that impacted you and you know that brought you that you know success? The way that you talk to your asking questions, the way that you talk to yourself, right? That there's a huge shift yep. in saying you know. What's my problem to why am I so successful? Right? You can get, sure. you, can, you can answer the same challenge by phrasing in a different way. And what that does, Josh, it's kind of like when you buy a new car, you start seeing that car everywhere, right? right? You never saw it before. When you're asking yourself these key questions, which I have in my morning routine doc, you're just, you're empowering yourself in these ways that are just absolutely crazy. There's, there's so much psychology in that. And, you know, when I get on these podcasts, Josh, you ask me like, Hey, how'd you become so successful? Like that, me answering that question breeds more success, mm, you know, sure. oh, yeah. yeah. what do you learn from your biggest mistake? And how has that helped you is a great question. You know, why'd you screw up is not a good, <laughs> is not a good question. <laughs> right. So the, the way that, um, you talk to yourself is, is everything. And that's where that inner coach I talked about in the beginning comes from. Yep. And having a strong inner coach is, uh, is, is definitely going to get you through those, those tough times. Super. No, that's awesome. And where can people grab a copy of the book? Yeah, uh, you can, it's on Amazon and stuff, but, um, since I got out of business, I don't really have a website. I'm not really on social, but if you just email me and if you can put my email address across the bottom, Ross yeah. at successcap.com. Ross at successcap.com. Awesome. Um, I'll just give you guys all the real estate courses I used to sell, my morning habits, my book, and maybe just a few other just mindset things there just to kind of help out. And then there's some, in, there's, uh, I'll put some information on the charity there. If anyone has a passion cool. for affordable housing, that's my direct email address. You can help in all sorts of different ways. It's not just about the money. So anyway, yeah, I'll send you guys back an email with, with all the fun stuff. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time today. Awesome having you on the show, sharing your insights and uh, uh, just uh, your time today. Thanks again, Ross. You bet. Thanks for having me. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Uh, 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 uh,